All right, what's up, everyone? We have a special edition of Grunt Talk Sports today. We're joined by Yankees minor league pitcher Sean Boyle. Sean, what's going on? How are you guys doing? Thanks for having me. Hey, Sean, thank you so much for doing this. It's an honor. I've been excited for this. It's going to be awesome. Yep, so we'll get started right away. Um, we're going to show your stats. You had a very nice year last year with 86 innings. Um, through 98 strikeouts, had a nice ERA under two, and your whip at one. And you have really had a fascinating journey because I thought Hayden had a crazy story going through the three levels. You went through all four, and you did really well really quickly. So I guess you could start us off by telling us what that was like going through all these different levels last year. I mean, coming into camp that year, you know, we're all coming off a long time away from baseball. So everybody's just excited to be there. And... Um, you know, having 2020 kind of get washed out, you know, you're, you're excited to put on display what you've worked on uh, during that time. And I was just happy to make a team out of camp. Um, you know, being a later round sign, you know, it was just my goal was make a team. And then once, you know, made the team in Tampa, um, you know, had a lot of fun. Like I was living at home uh, with my wife, you know, my dog. So like, that was awesome. And then, you know, two months in, get that bump to high A. I was fired up. I mean, everybody loves the promotion. And then the first day I got there, uh, manager Fio, he's, he gets on the phone. He's like, hey, you drove here? He's like, yeah. He's like, all right, I need to drive to Scranton. I was like, I just got here. Uh, they, they needed some, uh, I guess they were running a little short at that time. That game gets canceled. So the very next day, I turn around, I come back to high A, wind up throwing, uh, I don't know, about a month or two in high A, and then get the call again when I'm in Brooklyn. Why don't we, uh, we need to go over there in Scranton and make the most of that scenario. Uh, I think I went three or four outings up there and, uh, you know, took the keys and ran, as I like to say, last year. Oh, yeah. Um, then got to spend a little time in, in Jersey. Had some family over there. That was cool. And then wrapped up the season with Hayden up in uh, Scranton. So, bouncing. That's putting a mile. You had a lot of miles on your car, huh? Oh, my gosh, yeah. At <laughs> least. <laughs> oh, man. That, that's just insane that uh, you get to the ballpark. They're like, oh, yeah, by the way, go to, uh, go to Scranton. You need it there. And then you get there, and it's canceled. Like, well, like going through your a, mind. Sorry, it was a crazy like reminder that like what's going on in the big league level can affect you all the way down to you know high A, low A, and uh, really saw the effects of that because you know a lot of craziness going on that season. Um, you know the big league club is switching in guys, and you see that really affecting the AAA club, um, which is where that opportunity came from. Thankfully, like, you know, I'll say it again. I took the keys and I ran with them. You know, that was my goal. That's my mantra. It's like really nothing to lose. Just go ahead and, you know, make the most of it. And, you know, we, we were able to do that, but crazy to see how everything really does affect even at the lower levels coming from the big leagues. Absolutely. So I wanted to get your take on Rachel Balkovic and, and get your thoughts on her becoming manager. I mean, it's it's awesome. I haven't had much of an opportunity to work with Rachel, but I do know that she she knows her stuff. I mean, she's running around, she's taking care of it. The guys really seem to uh, take to her presence and the the approach that she's you know working on. Again, I haven't I can't speak to working with her, but it's a it's a good presence. Uh, like you can feel the energy, you know, just kind of in the room. It's not like. Um, kind of getting lost at the moment, but like it's, it's a, yeah. it's a good fit for the Yankees and it's really cool to see this happening in front of me. You know, like this is, this is a big moment, uh, a big time in baseball, a big time in uh, baseball for women. And to see it happen in front of you, it's pretty cool. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, um, everyone who we've been interviewing, I've been asking about that. Cause I think it's, it's really awesome that the Yankees did that. And I think she's really, uh, we got the pleasure to talk to her last year and, mm -hmm. you know, the hard work she puts in, she's very, very knowledgeable. And I, jo I say to Julian all the time, you know, one day maybe she'll be the manager of the major league Yankees one day. I think that would, I, I'm, I don't think that's even a joke. I think that's true. She could yeah. definitely do it. 
I think she's got a shot to be the first female manager ever on the major league team for sure. We had a lot of fun with her last year. It was We got to do it in spring training last year before. She kind of, I guess, blew up in a sense. But she gave us a lot of hard lessons, like with the work ethic and everything she went through. And I think we could all apply it. I know you're about to tell us some stuff too. So I'm going to ask, how's camp going right now? How are you guys looking down there? I know everyone's not fully down there for the minor leagues yet, but what's the routine like? Uh, very much like what you would expect for spring training, you know, in, in past years. Uh, it is nice each year, you know, things become more streamlined. Um, you know, we really take it, take advantage of the time that we have. We're in, we're out. Um, but, you know, it's for camp right now. You know, it's pre-spring training. But, you know, everybody, you could feel it in the locker room. You know, everybody's pushing, you know, whatever you're doing. Like, you know, everybody's locked in. Everybody's happy to be there. You know, that's characteristic of this time of year. Um but yeah, overall camp is going really well. Um, guys are looking good. You know, number one thing you got to feel good. Got to take care of yourself this time of year. And uh, I mean, and it's funny to think we still really haven't technically started spring training, but it's rolling right now. It's good to know. So, so I do want to ask you, being a pitcher, uh, I ask this a lot when we bring pitchers on. Um, what is the toughest pitch for you to learn? Toughest pitch to learn. I guess at the moment, I'm working on creating a more consistent shape on my cutter. Um, so I'm, I'll go with the cutter. I know in past work, you know, very consistent changeup, but not consistent, but, you know, everybody says a changeup's a feel pitch. You know, developing that feel. It's not like you can just pick a grip and say, oh, yeah, this is it. Like, you have to throw it. You got to put the time in with it. So. You know, I'm seeing a similarity in that with the cutter. Um, but for me at the moment, it's the cutter. Would you say throw learning a changeup is harder than learning a breaking ball, like a, like a knuckle curve or just a regular curveball? Yeah, I would say so, because I feel like with any sort of curveball, slider, you know, even a cutter, you could just rip those things off. You can, you can almost muscle up and, you know, put some intent behind it and um, – past the eye test but with the changeup, you have to you know stay relaxed you gotta you can't try to overdo it um you know again it comes back to that feel that finesse pitch you know it's the finesse pitch yeah we actually talked to well hayden told us about the color too and he learned the color that was a big thing for him and i'm gonna go back to something he said in our interview as well he told me that you had an insane slider growth sinker you added pitches in the season you were just going out there and dominating with them he was very impressed with how you were able to pick things up quickly and then another thing i want to talk to you about is your analytic book with your father i actually have the thing right here i have the book i'm going to show it for everyone quickly but I'm curious, like, what goes into that, like, tinkering so well during the season? Yeah, so um, all, all of that has really been accumulation of the years. Like, you know, everything that we've – everything that I've wanted to do, my dad has dove in and, you know, he's right there. He's learning, trying to figure out a way to help. Whether it Here we go. Guitar, this is it. This is the book. I got yep. it. Applied technology. So that's the first book that my father and I wrote. Um, he wanted me on the book to help not only, you know, myself learn more, but to try and take, because he, he doesn't have a baseball background. Um, he wanted me to try and take the concepts, read them, learn them, and help put them into baseball terminology, you know, because, I mean, he, he's, in, he's got an engineering background, so um, that's something that is starting, you know, we're starting to see it more and more prevalent in the game of baseball but you know for him not ever growing up with baseball or anything like that is tough to relate so right that was my main goal and main job um helping him out with that but you know touching on how that helped and how that has helped with my career you know thus far um you know understanding what we want the ball to do is great you know the shape is great but you know, things are moving really fast, especially when you're trying to throw something, you know, 80, 90, 95, you know, whatever, you know, it, it's not like you're just going to take this little tiny adjustment and, oh, yeah, that's the fix. You need to be able to use these kinds of tools like we're using, like, in the bullpen, we're running around the track man all the time. And, uh, 
know, that's, I enjoy it because we're getting these portable units that are giving us instant feedback. Um, so you can, you can take what, what you're seeing, what you're feeling, put some number behind it. And then on top of that, you know, they've got the slow motion cameras and stuff like that. And, um, it's more than just, you know, get on top of the ball kind of thing. Um, it's accumulation of, of all of these different resources. So you and your father writing this book, which by the way, congratulations, because writing a book is not easy to do. It's, um, thank you. So, um, in terms of analytics for some people who don't believe in it, what would you say to them and how you think it's changing baseball for the better? That's a good question. There, there's a difference. There's something that I pulled from college. It's training versus trust mode. Like there's a time to train and there's a time to trust what you've trained. So, you know, you, some guys can get by with, I don't want to look at anything. I'm just going to go in, in the bullpen or I'm going to just hit. I'm just going to, you know, do me. I'm, if it feels good, great. Um, but there's, you know, I'll even bring it back. If you're throwing to a catcher versus a target, you know, the catcher will make you feel like you're doing a good job. He can go ahead and steal a ball six inches off the plate, make it look good. You're throwing to a target and you miss by six inches, ten inches. I don't know what even the average miss is, but I'm pretty sure it's more than we think. Um, you're not going to feel so great about yourself, and that's why a lot of guys don't like throwing to targets. So, you know, bringing that into kind of the analytics side of things, like the numbers don't lie, um, and learning to use them and make adjustments is great, but living by them and dying by them is where guys are turned off by the numbers, you know what I mean? Like that's, that's my opinion on how you see a lot of people saying, nope, not for me. And that's fine, there's there's not one way to do it. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, Hayden was telling us a lot of that stuff too, about how certain people use it differently. So like you use it differently than Ken uses it and all that. Um, I understand now it's more prevalent than ever. I feel like there's a lot of myths and um, truths with analytics that get uh, misconstrued, and there's a lot of misconceptions now. I feel like a lot of people think it's bad when that's not the case, and I think some people rely on it too much at times, not like yourself, but like it's just interesting how it's perceived today. For sure, yeah. So, I'll ask you about um, how about the draft process when you got drafted in 2018 and when you were a 25th round pick and hearing your name called by the Yankees. What was that like? Uh, it was, that was a wild day. I, I actually I hung around day one, watched some buddies go. Day two, saw a few more teammates go. And you know, after day two, I was thinking to myself, "All right, I've got day. I believe what did they go through day? I'm sorry, round ten through the second round. So I was like, all right, I've got 30 rounds, you know, sending some prayers up, like see it as what's going to happen. I have no idea. Um, so I actually wound up, I just got up. I left. I went, I played golf because I couldn't, I couldn't sit in front of the TV. I, I was too nervous. And somewhere around the 14th hole, I get a call from uh, my wife. She's going crazy. I'm like, oh, you know, what's, what's going on? And I'm like, oh, wait, wait a second. This is a good call. And then like 20 <laughs> seconds later, I got a call from uh, Mike Leisinger with the Yankees. He was a scout or is a scout with the Yankees. And he gave me the spiel. He's like, all right, you know how it goes. You know, 25th round senior sign, like take it or leave it. And I said, you know, where do I sign? You know, I, I, couldn't, I, wasn't, I couldn't get there soon enough. So it was definitely, it was a dream come true. And, uh, you know, uh, like I'm still running with the keys. Well, being drafted is a huge accomplishment, which is awesome. Being, getting that call, I bet, was probably the greatest call you ever gotten in your life. Um, I will ask you this. During the draft process, was there a team that, in the back of your mind, like, you really wanted them to get you? Like you're, you're like, Or are you just like, uh, I don't care where I go, I just want to get drafted? Or is, or is there a specific team that you really, really wanted to play for? Uh, it was definitely... I want a chance, you know, okay. anybody I can get. Uh, I spoke with a few teams, but nothing crazy, you know, really just basic questionnaires. You know, there were there were maybe two teams that seemed as though they showed the most interest. Um, 
I had never heard from the Yankees, you know, prior to the draft, never had a meeting. So it was a complete shock to be, um, you know, be selected. Um, but it came down to the right place, right time. You know, I, I had a good game against Baylor in front of the right people. And yeah, so get back to the question. I, I just wanted a chance. Yep, that's all you need. I love your thing with the keys. That keys analogy was good. I really do enjoy that one. So that's um, they took the keys and ran with it. We can definitely oh, yeah. apply that one too. And you seem to be doing a good job with that. So speaking of that, Ken and Hayden also said that Double A was the hardest adjustment to them. Which level was the hardest adjustment? Because you killed Triple A. Your numbers were really great up there, and I think it was really surprising to see how good they were compared to the other levels. Though you had success at all levels. Yeah. Oh yeah. Triple A was easy. No I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah. Definitely. So believe it or not, going starting the season in low A was pretty tricky because it had the auto zone. You know, so you knew going into each outing that it is what it is. You know, I can't rely on getting a call from the umpire. I can't rely on my catcher. You know, being really smooth behind the plate and getting me stuff. So. You know, that in the back of your mind, you had to find a way to, all right, just throw that aside. Just know that, you know what, everybody's dealing with the same thing. Let's go out there and fill up the zone. Um, so that was probably the biggest, maybe, concern, you know, before each game. But I I might have to, I mean, obviously, AAA is, you know, you get guys coming, spending time up in the big leagues. You know, you get these guys who have been around the game professionally for 10 plus years you know so you see a lot of really impressive dudes up there um you know guys sniffing the big leagues like who doesn't you know that if you're playing professional baseball everybody there is saying i want to go to the big leagues so you know when everybody's pushing against that um you could feel that in the environment and then very similar to double a um i almost felt that the hitters in double a maybe a touch more aggressive you know, because, like, once you get to double-A, you're like, okay, like, I'm right there. I'm near triple-A. I could even go to the big leagues. So, like, you know, yeah. definitely felt a really big push uh, from the offensive side of things when I was in double-A as well. Um, again, I mean, I it may be just kind of generic because you'd expect each level, you know, the competition would rise. So, as a pitcher, I, I asked uh... – any pitcher we have on, I always ask this too. Like, um, when you go in the bullpen and warm up, like for example, like a, a starter starting the game before the game starts, do you know right away that you might not have your best stuff? And if you do, you know, like during your bullpen session, like, oh, today, no, no one's getting a hit off of me. Like today, I'm on my my game. Nobody, nobody's gonna touch me today. You know, it's pretty funny. I, you may have heard this, but usually the days that you feel unstoppable. Or the days that you get your, you know, you get punched <laughs> in the face early. Um, what's it called? Um, the best game of my life, the no-hitter in Wooster, um, I had the worst pregame of the season. Really? And basically I told myself, you know, I'm up, I'm up here out of necessity, so I just need to go to battle with what I have. You know, that's always my mindset is whatever you have, you know, it's it's a game of making adjustments, and I'm confident that I'm able to make adjustments on the fly. But by no means will I hit the panic button if pregame isn't how I like it. You know, at the end of the day, my job's to get out, and you know, the only way that I can start that is by filling up the strike zone with what I've got that day. So, um, coincidentally, I feel like I pitch best when I have a, a you know, lukewarm pregame outing but yeah yeah we've heard that before i think ken said the same thing and um and here's the thing with the no hitters i mean you had you were a part of two this year triple a and then hudson valley as well so that's an incredible accomplishment and congrats on that and yep. it seems to really be a great year for you and we're really looking forward to see how you start off next year yeah that was that was tough to describe um is uh just worked out you know yeah yeah sometimes it's like that it's cool so who are some guys in the team you lean on i know you're definitely close with ken and hayden like who are some other guys that you look for to help you with some pitching stuff um um 
Well, definitely. I mean, working with, I can relate more to Hayden just because of obviously right-handers, you know, point of right. view. Um, but getting to talk with both of them, I mean, that's, that's the coolest part about being in these environments early spring and during the season. You're surrounded by so many guys who have so much talent and everybody's picking each other's brain and trying to, you know, trying to find and help however they can. You know, everybody's got the same goal. Um, I do the same thing with my buddy Barrett, Barrett Lowski. Um, he, he's got an electric fastball. He's got a nice cutter that I'm trying to work on, mm-hmm. um, trying to steal a little bit from him. Um, like to talk shop with uh, Greg Weissert and Braden Bristow uh, during my time in AAA. Those guys are they're students of the game. They get after it. They love it. You know, they have fun with it. And uh, but yeah, I don't think there's there's nobody in the clubhouse throughout the level that you know it isn't a good time talking to digging through this stuff. I mean, I could go ahead and list everybody. Um, you know, and that's the fun part about being in this spot. You know. Especially one thing I learned in college was if you pour into your teammates, that really helps you, especially in this professional setting, because it can be so mentally consuming because everything is about me. How am I doing? You know, my goals, my, you know, I need to get to double A. I need to get to triple A, the big leagues, like, you know, and that can take a toll on some people. So, you know, one way that I like to handle it is try to pour into others and, you know, do what I can to help or just, you know, have that conversation that kind of eases the nerves and makes it more enjoyable. You know, I, I'd, I'd like to think most people enjoy helping others. So. Absolutely. hundred yeah. percent. I feel the exact same way. Um, in terms of that, was there a pitcher you grew up idolizing who you wanted to center your game around? Like, Oh, I want to pitch just like that guy. My favorite even now, uh, Scherzer, I mean, watching him just go out, you know. Oh, he's amazing. <laughs> oh, a ton of intensity and in everything he does. And, you know, um, as much as I would love to pitch with his intensity, I've definitely found that I need to tone it back myself. But, I mean, watching a guy like that do his thing, it's awesome. I love watching Adam Wainwright. I mean, that's some dude who's just, you know what, here it is. It's going to move. It's going to be in the zone. Good luck. Yeah. Um Rivera is also a pleasure seeing him of just course. do his thing right here with the cutter. <laughs> so, yep. those, those would be my top three. Really nice, really good top three, too. <laughs> That's a nice group. So, speaking of that, who are the guys that you've competed against? Uh, our pitchers, maybe in other levels that we should be looking out for? Let's see. Well, I mentioned Barrett. I mean, I think he's going to – I thought he had a sneaky good year. He climbed up uh, from high A to double A and uh, really started putting together, you know, when he got up to double A. And this year in his, pre- his preseason sessions, I mean, I'm watching. I'm like, oh, man, I'm I'm so thankful I'm not a hitter. I mean, it's some nasty stuff. So I'll give Barrett the shout-out. All right, um, we'll check him out. Who we got? Right now during the spring – you got Kevin Milam. He he is really refining his stuff. Um, he's he's revamped his slider. He's got a we call it a whirly. The thing <laughs> freaking takes off. Um, he's putting up some good numbers right now. He's looking sharp. Um, and then I'll say, watching today, Will Warren. You want to take a look at him? Will Warren, slider guy, nasty. Okay. This is some good insight. We'll definitely check these all these guys out. We love to dive deeper into the system, and we're starting to get deeper and deeper with all these conversations. We've been lucky enough to have the three of you on. So we're definitely going to keep going and try to unlock this system. We'll be down oh, yeah. in Tampa in a few weeks, hoping to get close, so we'll see. Sweet. Well, yeah, definitely. So um, a good friend of ours who's with us as well, his name is Sean, he wanted to, to ask about the robot umpires coming to trials in AAA this season. How do you feel about it? And do you think they need to make any adjustments? Sure. So I definitely think it's a good idea on paper. I mean, who doesn't like the idea of the perfect zone? You know, no no lies, nothing, you know, you're, you're taking the bias of the umpire out of it. You know, that's great. But then when you see its application in the game and where it could be exploited, um, 
I'm less of a fan because I, I think that, you know, allowing a catcher to work for a strike, you know, and a pitcher to expand the zone, you know, and, and gain the trust of an umpire or fool the umpire, however you want to look at it, you know, like, I think that's a really cool part of the game. Um, that aside, you know, this is all in theory, of course. You could see maybe the role of a catcher change if you go to an auto zone. You know what I mean? Yeah. The catcher's not worried about presenting the ball. All he has to do is catch it and get ready to, you know, throw to second. You know, it, it really doesn't matter how anything looks. He could, he could change his glove. He could change his stance. You know what I mean? So, like, that's one side of the things that um, I could see. Uh, you know, not working out very well. So I'm less of a fan of the Robo Zone than I am a fan. But on the other side of things, when I had it, I was getting pitches called that would never be called, especially <laughs> up in the zone where you throw a really bad, you know, slider or something. Um, you you get that little delay, and then the umpire's calling a strike, and you're like, all right, works for me. So <laughs> definitely has its pros and cons. Yeah, uh, I totally agree. Because, like, watching as a fan, it's frustrating to see him keep getting it wrong. So, like, we might like it, but seeing the player perspective explaining why you wouldn't like it also makes perfect sense. So, so um, you know what? I do want to ask you this. So, as a pitcher, for example, you let up a home, have a really, really bad inning, let up a couple runs, and you're going – the manager lets you go in for another inning. How do you, you know, bounce back from that after letting up a few runs? Like, how do you, how do you, like, get to that mindset that you know what? Let's get back into it. Yeah, that's tough. I mean, I've definitely been there. Um, I've had a, I had one outing this past year was I think two innings or so, three innings, and you know, seven runs and two home runs, and you're like, you know, you're you're in total shock because it's just like, all right, you know what? what went terribly wrong that day but trying to do make an adjustment in game and bounce back like let's say you let up that two run home run and you know a couple string of hits and you're just like all right this inning was terrible and then you go back out the only thing you really have to do is understand who you are and, and what got you you know to the position you're at um you know when i got drafted Ben Zobris was an alumni of DBU and he gave me a call to congratulate me. And, I, you know, I was like, oh, this is, you know, awesome hearing from the World Series MVP and, wow. you know, making this connection. And now he's, you know, he's saying congrats to me. Like, you know, this is cool. So I was like, well, what's one thing you would tell, you know, young Zobris, like, you know, starting his career? And he's like, well, um, you were you were drafted and given this opportunity for a reason. So you're going to go through a lot of coaching and everything. You've got to have to make those adjustments. But at the end of the day, you have to know who you are and what you do well and do that really well. So, you know, maybe related to my scenario, like if I was having a bad game, um, aside from figuring out a specific plan to attack the hitters, I know that I'll probably be attacking the hitters with my strengths, my best stuff, um, especially when it's not going well. When it's going well, it's easy to exploit hitters' weaknesses, but when it's going poorly, you know, my thought is let me dive back to my strengths and live and die with my best stuff, you know, whatever it is that day. I think that's something everyone could apply. Like, you got to try to find your strengths and do those well. Like, you want to be well-rounded, but you need to take advantage of the areas that you're strongest in. Absolutely. And that's in all areas of life, too, right? I agree Absolutely. 100% in the stuff we're doing right now. What are the um, challenges of some of the 40-man guys not being there right now? Like, I feel like some stuff might be a little sorted, uh, a little uh, missorted like, with this lockout and all that. Um, just because, like, I feel like some of the levels could get a little messed up if everyone's not there on time. I know it's got to be a little weird vibe going right now. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely odd. You know, there's a, there's a lot of guys, especially new additions to the 40-man who, you know, props to them. Like, that's a huge accomplishment. But now they're not in camp, and it's like, you know, man, that sucks for them. Um, but, you know, they're fighting their battle. Um, but is, in how it's affecting the minor leagues, you know, it seems like it's opening up a few more opportunities for guys from lower levels to, you know, fill some gaps for the time being. And that's a really, really cool thing to – a cool opportunity, a really, you know, big step for a lot of guys because, you know, 
now you get to show what you've got um, during this time and take advantage of, you know, the major league setting, the 40-man situation, you know, being on hold. And, you know, now you're getting these extra eyes from within the organization taking a look at guys. And, you know, I, I see it as a good opportunity for guys who are not on the minor, I'm sorry, not on the 40-man, uh, you know, at this time. It's, you know, again, take the keys and run with them, you know. Yep, that's exactly. a perfect way to say it. Absolutely. So, um, let me ask you this. Right now, who is your favorite baseball player? I, I, I know it's a very simple question, but I always ask everybody that. Favorite baseball player? Well, it's, it's always been, you know, coming up through college and everything, it was always Scherzer. Lately, I've been lo- I've been watching um, Roy Holiday's NLDS, per- I'm sorry, no-hitter. I mean, and just he was amazing. That. That's been getting me fired up. So at the moment, I'm going to say Roy Holiday's up there. Forgot him in my list earlier. There you but, go. Hey, Doc amazing. Holiday. Yeah, that, that's just incredible to watch that stuff. So. He was a great one growing up. Yeah. So I'll shift to hitting. So who are some hitters we should be watching for in our system? Uh, I mean, I guess it's nothing new, but you guys have all heard, you know, everybody go on about Volpe. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I can't, you know, we all can't wait to see what he's going to do in the Bronx, you know, or wherever he's at. But I'm I'm confident (laughs) he'll be a Yankee, you know, in the Bronx here soon. So just super impressive to see the way he goes about his business. Um, You know, and it's it's just a a quiet confidence, which is the coolest part. Let's see. This, during this mini camp, Austin Wells has looked real good. I mean, his name's tossed up there a lot. Um, I like him a lot. Yeah, he's got a compact, powerful swing. Um, love watching bro hit. You know, especially when he's hitting for you. That's a yeah. <laughs> that's a pleasure. We'll put up a couple runs here and there. Um. Yeah, I guess those are my three at the moment. I mean. Never a dull moment. So, so far in uh, single A, double A, and triple A, is there one guy you went up against who really just gives you fits? I know you're not facing the same guys consistently, but multiple times if you face this one guy, he just always gives you trouble? Um, I guess that was the tricky part in bouncing around, you know, I feel bad, but I didn't really get to uh, familiarize myself with too many guys between the levels. Um, give a shout out to my buddy on the Phillies in Lehigh Valley. I, I think I faced him three or four times, wound up hitting him a couple times. Uh, <laughs> he was a DBU alumni, but um, I think that's a classic case of, oh, there's, you know, I know this dude, you know, he's a, he's a stud and let me try and one up him here. And, oh, <laughs> so, you know, that's something. Did he bust your chops after that? After the game? Oh, like, come yeah. on, come on, man! He tears me up. So, who who is it? What's his name? Derek Hall. Yeah. Okay. Derek Hall. Yeah. We'll First baseman in, uh, for the Phillies in uh, Lehigh Valley. Lehigh. Big power bat from DBU. Also uh, yeah. a pretty good pitcher. Oh, he's a he's a multi guy. He's he's going not to a, not anymore. But if, <laughs> if if they needed a guy, he'd be able to do it. Well, that's becoming a thing now, so we got to ask. Like, it's becoming more popular with Shohei Otani and stuff. Like, everyone's trying to do that now, it seems like. He'll be the uh, – I can't really – he'll be the stinker version of Otani. <laughs> throw some 86, 87 sinkers up there and do the job. That's interesting. But you made a good point because I kind of figured it might be tough because you bounced around so much. It was basically like 20 innings at each level almost. So it's hard to get like a consistent competition there. Like Ken was been around, was in double A for most of the year. And then like Caden was, had a little, had some guys too that he had more familiarity with. But that's a, that's a good insight from you. So I'm going to ask now. With the current minor league situation about them not getting paid for spring training and all that, and like the conditions you guys go through, although I know the Yankees are probably better than most, like just let us know how you feel about the whole situation. Sure, um, it's definitely a topic you gotta, you know, you can't raise too much of a fuss at when you're in camp because I mean, guys would practically kill for these spots, you know what I mean? But you know, 
it is frustrating to see and you know the, that's the consensus thought within you know the clubhouse is like you know these organizations are worth how much and you know um the things that you see that you know are they're unwilling to provide even though the opportunity to play baseball is you know at this level is is worth so much more to a lot of us you know it it would be really nice to be able to um you know earn a decent you know bit, you know living i mean conditions are way better than they have ever been you know and you, you talk to you know like my cousin he played you know seven ten years ago and hearing the things he went through you know we've got it made in the shape compared to that um but then you read into some of the things you know where you know like uh you know salary changes throughout the years and you see how that is compared to in the minor leagues and it's still not where you know it, it could be um so that's definitely frustrating and you know as minor leaguers you know nobody wants to talk about unionizing because it's really easy to be replaced so you know tough to kind of get onto that page and you know i'm not i'm not uh, too familiar with the reasons why you know say like the, you know, major league players you wouldn't want to, you know, rep represent. But I mean, you know, that's a that's a nice thought. But again, I'm not terribly familiar, and um, I guess I'm just going to keep bouncing back to like, you know, we have this opportunity. So how much are we willing to ask for before being pushed out the door? You know what I mean? So it's yeah, tricky. It's, tricky. It's, it's tough to navigate as a minor leaguer, but um, it's definitely not where it could be. Yeah, I think that um, personally, I think in the minor leagues, you know, you guys are traveling more than anything and you guys don't use planes to go in places to use buses. And, and sometimes, like you said, your own car, taking the car, the keys and running with it, you know, driving all these miles. And I do think personally, that is a huge topic of discussion for, um, you know, as you said, the organizations, I think they really need to, help out minor leagues more because, you know, you guys are the future for the major leagues. That's the way I see it. You guys are working, and forgive my language, working your asses off to get up there and going through uh, a lot of circumstances. Um, you know, in the major leagues, I get it. It's a major leagues, of course. You stay, They're staying in hotels on the road. You guys here, you taking buses. They're taking planes and everything. I think that the minor leagues, something needs to be done personally, in my opinion. I, I just think it's long overdue. I know back in the day it was different. This is 2022 and something's got to give. Absolutely. That's a really good point there at the end, you know. Uh, again, it's frustrating because yeah. there, there's a lot to be said, but, you know, myself and other players, you know, you have to be cautious with how you say it because you don't want to obviously you know, ruffle the wrong feathers, but it is nice to see that a lot of people are, you know, making some noise for us. Of course. Um, and I think that's the biggest, that's the biggest thing. Um, eventually it's going to have to give, you know, it started to, you know, get better and better and um, it's, it's definitely not done. No. And, you know, we're, for me and Julian, and I know he agrees, we, we are for the players. Like I, I think that without, you, without you guys and your hard work and dedication, there is no baseball, in my opinion. You guys are the future of every franchise. You work hard to get up there, and I, I just think that, you know, seeing the way that minor leaguers have to, you know, drive all these miles on their own cars, and th I just think something needs to be done, and I think it should have been done a long time ago. I think it's long, as I alluded to and forgive me for sounding like a broken record about it but you know it's long overdue and I, I I'm off of the players 100% I think that you guys work too hard not to be rewarded for it and get better conditions with everything that's the way I feel yeah I mean even one thing everybody always says like you know we're seasonal employees but by no means is this a seasonal gig exactly know? another so like, point too it's like uh you know if you, if we're an investment to some, you know, not to some degree, we are an investment. Um, yeah. So obviously we need to, as players, invest in ourselves, but we can't forget about, you know, our families, our homes, our, you know, 
we, you know, it, it gets expensive. So, yeah, you know, livable conditions, you know, the means to do that, you know, they've gotten better, but they're definitely not where they could be. You made a good point there, too, about the seasonal thing. It's another point of worth bringing up. And Bobby and I are doing our best to convey this, and we're glad we speak on your behalf on these issues. And, like, we, we try our best to bring this to light. I've been very vocal about the minor league issues, especially lately with more stuff coming out. But I don't understand how you guys can't get paid full-time because they're making you guys work it's ridiculous. More, they're making you guys work more than one job to, like, be able to make ends meet, just to, like, survive for the family, like you said. And, like, it's, some guys can't sustain it without working other jobs. And then they could get injured working those jobs, and then they could ruin the baseball part of their career. Like, it's just it's just a mess. Definitely, you know. And you you see the way the, you know, draft process is done. It's a huge accomplishment to be taken in early rounds and, you know, receive a really, you know, nice signing bonus. You know, not knocking anybody who's earned that, because that certainly is earned. Um but then you see, you know, later rounds where guys are, you know, obviously not getting those signing bonus, but they're still just fortunate to have the opportunity to play. Uh, but it's just at the moment is part of that challenge. And, you know, it, it's part of what makes it so worth it. Um, you know, like the good times wouldn't be as good without the bad. Right. You know, right. That's and not calling true. it a bad time, but, you know, I always try to look at the positive side of things. And it's nice to see that things are starting to change again they're not where they could be um or should be but you know one step at a time it's it's hopefully it'll get there uh, yeah and back to julian's point you know what and your point as well you know uh trying to provide for families is when you guys aren't getting paid what you should that that to me because you know it, it's just ridiculous i feel all these franchises you know they're billionaires. They could afford it, and they just don't do mm-hmm. it. To me, it just it it, I, it just really bothers me. It, well, it's been yeah. bo- We've all seen Moneyball, and you know they're talking about yeah. you know, white charging players for sodas in the locker room or well, soda money. Really, you know, it's it's a, it's a real thing. That, yeah. I, I, it's when a I, business. When yeah. I saw that, I'm just sitting. I'm just like that joke. This and in the major leagues, I'm like, really, this is you're gonna have to pay for a soda at a vending machine. When you go to Yankee Stadium in their clubhouse, I'm pretty sure if they want a Gatorade, all they got to do is literally go into – they probably all have – I mean, I've never oh, been in now, there. I, I will touch, like, uh, clubhouse setting, you know, for players, like, we get taken care of. Oh, you do? Okay. And, and as, as the levels, you know, go up, the clubhouse environment definitely you know, improves. How, how would you, know, you say the oh, – I'm sorry. I'm no, sorry. go for it. How would you say the clubhouse in AAA is different than AA, would you say? Um, well, for, for one, the in Scranton compared to Somerset, I mean, mm-hmm. that Scranton locker room, that's major league. Like, that's really? A really – you walk in there and it's this big oval room and, you know, everybody's got a crazy locker and a nice rolling chair and you're just like, it's pretty cool. Uh, TV's around the center. Somerset's locker room is really cool. Uh, it's smaller, a little bit more boxed off, but um, – as for the environment, um, like super high energy in Somerset, like everybody's amped up to be there, and uh, you know, it's it almost you get a younger feel there. I mean, right. it is it is a younger setting. You know, my time in Scranton, that was the oldest locker room I'd ever been in. You know, you get guys who have service time. You know, I, I forget they were saying something crazy when they had opening day. They may have had like over 20 years of service time combined on the team. You know, don't quote me on that, but something <laughs> crazy. And, uh, you know, you get in that environment and it's very much, you know, like, hey, we're here. We're, we enjoy, the, you know, everybody's company, but we're here for work. You know, we're professionals in baseball. And, uh, they definitely have fun up there, but that was the biggest difference between the two um, locker room environments. You know, both awesome. Now, our, our Sean has another good question here, and I think this is going to be interesting. He's talking about David Garcia here. He's wondering if you ever picked him for advice and how to face big league hitters in the big league moments, and he thinks you guys both have bright futures. So we're saying, have I ever uh, spoke with Debbie? Yeah. A little bit. Um, Debbie is a, is a stud. What, is he 21? How, he's a young guy. I mean, you like forget 21, that when you're around him. Yeah. 
you, you really do forget how young he is being around him and, you know, and seeing what he has done. You know, last year may not have been his, his best year. He, you know, he clearly wasn't happy with it. You know, I'm definitely not going to try to speak for him. But to see what he was able to accomplish at the big league level in 2020, you know, up, you know, doing that, like, at that age is awesome. Um, awesome to watch. And, you know, seeing him when he's on, you know, an- another pleasure. Like, that was, the, that was the coolest part about being up there. You're watching dudes who have, have been around it, have some service time, watching them go to work. You know, that was probably the biggest learning moment for me. Um, you know, and it was, it was pretty cool because even guys up there, like, you know, they they were picking my brain um, as the guy coming from, you know, low A, high A, and I was just like, you know, I was taken back by that. I thought that was really cool, but the biggest thing is that those guys are, are still trying to pick and take what they can to, you know, make themselves better. So, like, you know, again, watching those guys at work was really cool. Now, any pitcher that gets drafted to the Yankees and comes up to you and looks up to you, what advice would you give them about how, you know, handling the minor, handling minors getting called up from starting out single A, double A, triple A, and going up to the majors at some point? What advice would you give them to start their career? Hmm. Well, right now, you know, this organization definitely values, you know, analytics, stats, everything, you know, like on that side of things, the, the metrics that, um, you know, that like my metrics, you know, my makeup as a pitcher is different from the next guy. Um, and bringing it back to strengths, you know, I know what I, I'm not a, I'm not a four seam guy at the top of the zone. I'm a sinker slider guy. And, you know, I rely on movement and strikes. Um, so, you know, my, my advice is always know who you are and figure out who you are really quickly. Right. Because minor league, professional baseball and baseball in general, you know, can be really difficult because everybody is trying to do something that is going to benefit them and, you know, allow them to be set up for success. But that can be challenging because, you know, you get all these different coaches along the way. And if you listen to every single coach, you're going to get, you know, if you listen to 10 different coaches, you'll probably get 10 different suggestions. So being able to be your own best coach and know what is most valuable and most important for you is the biggest thing with being in the professional setting, um, especially, you know, because there's just a lot of things being thrown at you. It's the world of knowing when to not know. You know, it's very chaotic. Um, but if you can simplify what you need, then you'll be better off. That's some great advice. Thank you so much, man. That's definitely a good response. Um, and then Sean's wondering, has anyone taken you under their wing? Like, as you were talking about before, has anyone came up to you and given you good advice when you were first drafted? Was there someone like a manager or a player that was like instrumental in like your development? Oh, there definitely have been. I mean, um, you know, I'll, I'll go back to my days and, you know, living in Long Island, uh, playing for my coach at Suffolk County Community College, uh, Eric Brown. Um, he was he was great for teaching, you know, more than just baseball. It was, it was the characters, the mindset of being a leader, um, you know, uh, working quietly to, you know, to set an example. Um, you know, that was... Those are, you know, some of the best two years of my life playing baseball. I'm um, very close to my high school coach, Coach uh, Coach Walsh. Uh, we talk a lot about different, you know, just just mindsets of, you know, approaching life. Um, but then maybe my time now at the Yankees. Yeah, sure. Um, probably one of the biggest has been. Um, I mean, I, I definitely owe my father a shout out. We have these talks all the time. Um, and again, he's always poured into anything that could help me. Like, again, he knew nothing about pitching, nothing about baseball. And once I started playing, he had this stack of books, probably three, four feet high, and he was reading <laughs> everything he could to help. 
and then he goes ahead and he develops pitch grader and he does you know he starts writing the book and he asks for my help on that and you know we have conversations every you know every week every outing you know go over that stuff so you know big shout out to dad you know for always helping um but with the yankees um, especially last year and you know the past three years desi drushel has been a huge help you know someone that i can you know when, when he offers some advice it's like i know that he's really thought about it and considered you know specifically how that affects me um you know so i, I really appreciate his approach and the relationship we've you know grown over the past three four years now would you say your dad is basically like someone you you really look up to like your idol Oh yeah. Yeah. He's, he's always, again, whatever it was, you know, whether it was fishing, quads, uh, guitar, you know, he was, let's do it. So, you know, that's something that, you know, has taken me this far and, uh, you know, it's very important. That's awesome. And that leads me to my next question. You basically set it up perfectly. So what do you like to do off the field when it's not about baseball? What's some stuff you like to do in your downtime? And um, how did your baseball path start? Like, I know you were born in New York. Like, were you from the Jersey area? Because I know you, you said you went back to Jersey like for the traveling and stuff. So I was a little curious about that, too. Okay. So, so perfect. We, we ran right into it. So off the field, um, guitar, fishing. You know, those are probably my my top love fishing. You know, two hobbies. Yeah, it's, it's just my favorite part is like I like to golf, but I don't like to pay for golf. <laughs> <laughs> so at least I know with fishing, maybe I'll pay for the gear and stuff, but right. I just use it till it you know till it stops. Um, you know, definitely love hanging out with my wife and my dog. I mean, you know, we that's just that was a pleasure starting last year in Tampa, you know, with with my wife, with my dog, with my family, um, getting the chance to travel up to Jersey and New York. You know, being from New York, uh, got to see my family a, a lot more than I have uh, the past few years. Uh, Jersey, I got my cousins, so I got to see my cousins a lot. Uh, they were they were like 15, 20 minutes from Somerset, so I stayed with them. Um, so, you know, definitely the hobbies, fishing, golf, you know, family time, like, can't beat it. And then, uh, forgive me, second question being for how we got started with baseball? Yeah, yeah. like Okay. So I have probably a, a my wife likes to call it a bad news bears story. <laughs> <laughs> the equivalent. All. So I, I actually started playing baseball when I was 14. Okay. And... I started playing because I was watching the Mets on TV. I grew up a Mets fan. Um, thankfully, I got the Yankees to root for now. But, <laughs> like, so I grew up a Mets fan, okay? And watching them play, I was just so taken back. I was like, I was watching the pitcher throw 83 miles an hour. I was like, I could do that. So um, so I, I started, you know, playing with my neighbor across the street. I built a wall in the backyard, and I was throwing into the wall. And, you know, that's when Dad started, you know, seeing the interest. And he's like, all right, let's, you know. So we built a field in the backyard, uh, a little infield with the mound. And uh, I played the local, you know, Little League team that year, made a travel team. Um, I tried out for the high school team, and I got cut. So that was like a... You know, I'm very competitive as a, pretty much everybody in the professional setting, you know, should be. So when I got cut, I was like, all right, you know, let's let's make the team next year. You know, I showed up in, in shorts. I just had a glove and I didn't even have a phone. So when I got cut on the second day, my dad was supposed to pick me up around, I don't know, four o'clock. Well, I got cut before tryouts. So I had to walk home. Oh, God. Yeah, so... That was a pleasure. And baseball in New York, it was about 35 degrees. And I, I, oh, Jesus. Shorts and a t shirt. Um, but <laughs> needless to say, that didn't deter, you know what I mean? Like, you know, I was interested. And that's kind of, that's how I like to, you know, that's what I like to tell younger kids, especially is like, so what? You didn't make the team? Like, if you really want to do this, you can go for it. You know, if you, you can make, make the most of what you want to do. You can, you can take advantage of that. So, you know, 
that's a little ice. That's how things got started. I'll tell you this, that that's some story that you started out at 14, you got cut and look at where you are now. Yeah. Just look, you know what? That some people might be like used to be down on themselves. What I got cut, I don't I can't do this and you're you're ba- you're basically a professional baseball player. So that is a great accomplishment. It just shows how hard you worked and well deserved. So that story and listen, walking home in in uh temperatures like that because i'm from new jersey too i live in tampa now with my wife and my dogs too so uh (laughs) you know (laughs) so uh it's that's something else but i my one of my last questions for you was there any other sports you like you loved playing or liked watching um i grew i so i'm coming from a non-sports family you know Mm -hmm. my immediate family nothing so i used to like throwing a football around the backyard um you know, recently I, I, uh, like you know, I enjoy getting into football a little bit. Fantasy football tears me up. I'm off. There you go. What <laughs> yeah, team do you do cheer that. for? Unfortunately, I'm a Giants fan. Oh, oh, I'm a Jets okay. fan, so I'm right there. I'm with a, you. I'm yeah. a, uh, I'm a Patriots fan. So it's yeah, uh, look at him. it's just, <laughs> it's. But you know what? Hey, brighter, uh, the Giants are going to be okay. They'll, they'll be okay. And so will the Jets. You guys will be fine. <laughs> yeah, we're making Maybe fun. one day. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe one day. <laughs> but, yeah, other than that, I mean, I, I enjoy some hockey. You know, I always like playing it, uh, you know, with friends, street hockey. Um, can't go wrong with the Rangers, the Islanders, you know. Rangers, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, definitely coming into sports late. You know, I, I guess I haven't been burnt out on, you know, I still get fired up just watching, you know, a baseball game. You know, I know a lot of teammates, you know, they they get home and they're like, no, I'm not doing anything baseball. Yeah, I've noticed that sometimes. And it's good to have that disconnect for sure, you know. Like, I have, I in season, I have guitar and, you know, I'll play my video games, you know, they kind of just on Xbox or PlayStation. PlayStation. There we PlayStation go. All day, yep, you know it. <laughs> Wrong question. Next question, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, one. you know, having that, having that mental, you know, block or not block, but having that ability to kind of walk away and turn the switch off, you know, it's important. You need to give your mind a rest sometimes. Yeah, I agree 100%. I know some guys are like just love watching all the time. And see, he's a bad deal. He's like, I don't even like baseball anymore. <laughs> he's like, I'm playing. And he's like, it's boring. Like, I, just, I found that crazy. But so a lot of people have different angles on it. Oh, for sure. Here's a good one, too, from Sean. So, is there any players you met in the systems that kind of had you starstruck? Like, when you first saw someone, or like maybe that call from Ben Zobris or something? Hmm. It. It was really cool. Uh, I think this was my first full season in 2019. Um, I was in extended spring training, and Aaron Judge was rehabbing. Oh, and, uh, wow. They, you know, they would step pitchers up to face him, so I got to face Aaron Judge. And, oh, wow. Yeah, that was just a really cool moment because, you know, I'm on the mound, and he comes up, and it's like, oh, how did I'm that go? strike Aaron Judge out. Like, let's do this. <laughs> how did that go? Uh, so he went one for three off me. Okay. Uh, he, had a, he had a ground ball to third. I got a punch out, and then he hit a home run. All right. Well, you did I, can't, I haven't decided out. which one was cooler, letting up a home <laughs> run there and judge or getting a punch out. I mean, and then I also like to joke, you know, as I'm walking back to the dugout, I looked down and was like, all right, well, joke's on you. You're buying us lunch because whenever they would rehab, they would, they would buy a spread for the guys, and, which was nice. very cool. Was he a nice guy though, Aaron Judge? Like really personable? Like that was that was probably the coolest thing is meeting a few guys that came through during that time for rehabs. All of them were just awesome dudes. Um, you know, Judge, real personal, like talking with the guys. One, the most, the one that stood out the most was Didi uh, Didi Glorious. Like just an awesome dude, and he speaks like seven or eight languages, which is crazy. <laughs> But the way that he just like immersed himself with the guys who are, you know, you got 16 year old guys who drafted out of high school or, you know, coming from the Dominican and stuff like that. Um, you know, 
he was just just right there with them, just hanging out. He, you know, he had finished his work for the day, and he's just like, let me pour into these guys. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, I love hearing about that. Guys who are really uh, personable and want to help the younger guys get prepared. I love that. I hate hearing stories about the big stars and the minors, and they got, they're just too big time for everybody. I hate hearing about those stories. I'm like, yeah, you wouldn't be here if it wasn't for them. So, yep. Yeah, everyone starts somewhere. Even the best guy is going to go through the minors. Even the studs, it's, if, they go, if they go through quick, they go through quick. But everyone's got to get there. Absolutely. Yeah, we can close it down soon. I'm trying to think of some final questions I have as well. So I always like asking about ballparks and stuff in cities. So where was your favorite place to travel to? So some might say it was biased, but the coolest ballpark I got to play in this past year is uh, in the, the Woostocks in Wooster, Massachusetts. I mean, aside, no hitter aside, um, that was, it was a brand new park. It was a crazy environment, you know, it helped that I had family there. Um, but no, that was a, that was just a really cool place to experience. Um, trying to think where else did we go? I mean, Scranton's facility was, you know, top notch. That was a really cool, uh, backdrop there in the outfield. You know, you get that kind of sheer rock look in the back. Um, also a very good crowd. Um, and then I enjoyed playing in 2019, uh, for Staten Island, just because you had the New York City skyline in the back there, um, you know, that was those, those are my favorite ones at the moment. That's a cool, that's a cool one. Definitely the no hitter, I understand completely, especially if the atmosphere was lit. So that's fun. Yeah, and it was like a mini Fenway, you know. Oh wow! Except, there you go. except everything was blue. Interesting. <laughs> I have to check this one out. I got to see what so, that looks like. So the it's Green Monster Polar was Park. So the green monster there was blue. And it was in right field. Oh, wow. Oh, oh that's very interesting. I need interesting. to see this now. Let me check. I'm looking. I'm looking. Polar Park. How are you? Brand, brand new. Clubhouse is awesome. Uh, and just the the whole setup of the field, it was, it was sweet. Yup. I see it now. It's uh, It's really cool. It's like a major league park. I understand why uh, it's one of your favorites. Yeah. That's uh, that's definitely awesome. Aside so, from the good times, of course. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know what? One of my last questions for you as well is uh, I'll, if you're in Tampa and you want to go fit, well, it's not a question. I'll be like, you want to go fishing, I'm your guy. So, uh, definitely, that'd be awesome. Awesome. We'll have to get together. I haven't been in a minute. Absolutely, man. Uh-huh. Sounds good. See you yeah. too. There you go. So there Absolutely. is one, yeah. There is one last thing I'll ask. I'll get down to nitty gritty here. I don't know if you'll know yet, but do you expect to start the season Triple A, especially if there's a situation with the non forty man guys? Um, expect sure, hope for sure. Hope's not a strategy, so I mean, right. the goal is obviously, um, you know, take every opportunity and run with it. So you know, at the moment, um, you know. That's that's the goal, you know. I'm, I'm throwing with the big league balls, which they use in AAA. So, um, you know, that's that's where my mind's at. So we're gonna we're gonna make that happen. A hundred percent. So as Bobby said, we would love to get together down there. Maybe we can take you guys out for a meal on us too. Maybe we can get Ken and uh, Aiden as well. Do some fishing. I mean, we love to chop it up. We're gonna see if we can get to camp too. Hopefully, we can get a closer look at you guys. I'm also. Do you know our friend John Brophy? He works with the um, he works down there too. He's like a photographer. I oh know yeah, he's out there with some of your practices. Yep, yep. He's always around. He does some great work, and uh, it's it's really cool. You know, like you get a lot of photos taken throughout the season. But when he takes the photos, he'll even just tag me and say like, "Hey, here they are." You know, a lot of guys are kind of like, "No, these are my photos. Like, you know, don't use them." Like, and obviously you got to give credit where credits too. But no. It's, it's awesome, the work that he's putting in for us. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, he, he does a fantastic job. Definitely oh, yeah. does. Yeah, we're hoping to meet him down there, too. So, maybe hopefully we could all get together. But we're really excited for what's ahead for you. We wish you the best of luck in the season and everything. Um, 
just one final thing we'll say. Our company is Grunt Talks and Mobi. It's the hat right here. Um, we got our YouTube channel, Grunt Sports. We like to highlight the minor leagues. Last year, we got to go out there and cover you guys in Somerset. So I probably saw you chuckling a few times. Um, although you were there quickly, so maybe not. But next year, we're trying to get the AAA. Uh, we also have our card shop on the site. We write articles. Bobby's very into the NFL, as he was talking about. So you could tell him about the NFL size, brother. Yeah, no, I uh, I cover the NFL for it, and uh, you know that that's my game. I'm I'm very big on football. That's my that's what I do, and uh, just covering everything with the NFL now. The season's over, and uh, just you know, with the grind never stops. So I will say that. Yeah, so 100%. We mix the baseball and football together. Our website's Grunt Talks MLB. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Grunt Talks Team. We got Twitch, TikTok, all of it. We're we're everywhere. More viral, as we say. <laughs> as I say, yeah, that's what. Yep. I'm gonna need some fantasy football help, just saying. Hey, I, I, hey, oh, listen, man, listen, man. In the summer, definitely, I'll let you. I'll, uh, I'll give you my uh, information and everything. When you're in the league, I'll, I'll, I got you. I got you. No All right. Worries. We're gonna sit that off. Well, Sean, thank you so much. This is thank awesome you so much, interview. man. Uh, thank you, guys. Gonna... That was fun. Of course. Sure. We had a great time as well. We look forward to hopefully meeting you in a few weeks, potentially.